Today we are celebrating James. Uh, this is, uh, is going to hit your ears really hard. We're celebrating James, the brother of God. Doesn't that hit your ears hard? Sure hits mine hard. James, the brother of God. Wow! I didn't know God had a brother. I knew there was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but I didn't know there was a brother. Well, it's his brother after the flesh, the eternal Son of the Father, incarnate in the womb of the Virgin Mary, taking flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mary, was born as a man, not mankind in general. He was born as a man, and he had a brother, James. He's the Lord's brother. And the reason we confess him, and this is not so incidentally, the reason we confess him as James, the brother of God, it is one more testimony to the deity of Christ. Doesn't that make sense? People complain about us sometimes. Oh, you're on into this Virgin Mary stuff. Well, one of the reasons we are is because she is the most important witness to the humanity of Christ. When we say James, the brother of God, we are confessing the deity of Christ. James became the first bishop of Jerusalem. Now that's without question. That we do know. And he led the church of Jerusalem for a number of years, and he was martyred. Now there are some other things we know about him, but what I'm after today, because of some circumstances, I'm after the I, I want to dispel the myth that death for a believer is a great tragedy. Now let me tell you why I'm doing this today. For about 15 months now, every single Sunday in this parish, there has been a name that you have heard in the great entrance. It is a name that has been heard as we prepare the communion, every, as the gifts are prepared every Sunday morning, the name is Calvin. The name is Calvin Keener. Calvin Keener was 18 months old. He died Monday. Calvin Keener is the grandson of Deacon Basil and Barbara, found two of the founding members of this parish. He died of leukemia. He's been sick for months and months and months. There was never a whole lot of hope, but you always hold out hope. But Calvin died on Monday. I think Barbara will be here next week and the Deacon Basil the week after, both of them. But, and Patrick, of course, is gone today because Patrick is the godson. So this is a huge issue, especially those of you who knew Wes and Barbara so very well. Some of you are so new that you don't know them well. Calvin's gone, and you say, what a loss. No, not, it's, it's, a, it's sorrow to Teresa. Many of you know Teresa, Richie Keener. You know her. Both she and her husband are in the Air Force. Teresa is the daughter of Deacon Basil and Barbara. Yes, it's a loss to them, and it's a loss to the deacon and Barbara and a loss to many other people. There is sorrow, but today... Calvin Keener is going to join us in the Divine Liturgy for the first time in his life at St. Anthony. He's going to join us. Today, Calvin Keener is singing with the angels. That's not so bad, is it? 
It's just not bad. There is great hope, folks, and you need to keep that hope in front of you always, or life is just so disappointing. I had a very, very close friend who was once my personal assistant when I was involved in the collegiate ministry. He was a graduate of MIT, and he said one of their favorite sayings at MIT amongst the more philosophically minded at MIT, he said, they said they came to the conclusion that life is a bad joke that isn't even funny. Well, it is for a lot of people, but it's not for Wes and Barbara. It's not for Calvin Keener. Today, Calvin doesn't have leukemia. He is in a place of brightness, of verdure and repose, whence all sickness and sorrow have fled away. Now, also on Monday, and another reason for this homily, on Monday, early, very early Monday morning, about 2.30 in the morning, a very good friend of mine, an Antiochian priest in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, was on his way back from a baptism. I imagine most of the people in the car were asleep. His wife, whom I know very well, the reason I know this family particularly, most of you know that I have five sons, and my wife also has five sons, uh, but that we have five sons. Well, this family has five daughters. And so, of course, we were tempted to, you know, to make an arrangement for the five sons for the five daughters. But uh, this, this priest was uh, on our journey with us to orthodoxy. Uh, he was in the, the evangelical orthodox church, and then uh, the parish he was in did not become orthodox at that time, but they, when we did, but uh, this particular priest was the first of the group that didn't become orthodox at that time to come, become so later, and he is the pastor of our church in Champaign-Urbana and works with the students at the University of Illinois, and at 2.30 in the morning, he was driving, his wife was in the car, two of his daughters and uh, one of the husbands of the daughters, and he fell asleep, the car flipped, uh, the son-in-law was killed, his wife's in critical condition with a broken neck. And you say, that's terrible. Uh, the, the worst part of it, the worst part of it is for Linda, his wife, with the broken neck. That's the worst part. Because the son-in-law will join them as he always has in the divine liturgy. He will sing with the angels. Today, it's not that he will sing, it is he is a committed believer in Christ, totally committed. And we must be so careful that we don't let death fall into the hands of the devil to the point where, yes, it is a great enemy, death is the last and great enemy. We never deny that. We do not deny the reality of death. We do not deny the sorrow that it leaves us who are left behind. We are going to do a memorial service today. How many times do I remember Minerva sitting right there and, uh, and saying the words out loud, sometimes getting me mixed up? Because she'd say it all out loud, and I'd come down the aisle here, and, and Minerva's doing the great entrance with me. She knew the liturgy by heart, word for word. Well, she's still doing it. She, still, she just doesn't sit in that chair. We must be so careful that we don't let death get out of hand, that we don't see it as the greatest tragedy in life. For those who have no hope, it is the ultimate tragedy.
But for those of us who have been baptized into Christ and follow Christ, it's not that great of a tragedy. I remember my father's last 20 years. My father anticipated death. And his last 10 years, he wanted it. And he was in great health. You couldn't get in better health than my father. The only time he was ever sick was the last two months of his life at 99 and 10 months. That's good health. He looked forward to death. Don't view death as your enemy. It is a great enemy. It will be overcome. And when we die and go to the Lord, it is not a tragedy. It is a great victory. These words I love, we say them at Pascha. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? There is no sting. It's been pulled. I was in my garden yesterday. Yeah, I work in a garden. And I was working with some rose bushes, and a sort of a slow bee got me on the arm. And uh, I looked at it, and i tell you what I did. I'm not allergic to bee stings, just a tiny, tiny bit. I reached over there, and you know what I did? I pulled out the stinger. And I just put it there on my finger, and I just sort of laughed at it. You silly little bee, you're dead! And I'm not even hurt. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Well, that bee died. I just flicked him off. And I'm fine. Oh, it hurts a tiny bit. Now, you also say, oh, but Father John, what a waste to lose Calvin. Eighteen months. Oh, what a waste to lose James, the brother of John. After all those years that Jesus taught him, he prepared 12 men to be his apostles. And within an extremely short time, I mean, he is better than any university education could ever be. He's gone and they're down to 11. What a waste. What a waste for James the shorter, because he didn't make it all that far. What a, what, what a loss for this first bishop of Jerusalem to be gone. Folks, it's not a great loss. It's a great victory. Yes, I admit, I peruse the paper. I don't read it carefully. You know, it bothers me more than anything else, generally, when I read the paper. I don't know why this is. I have five sons. But what bothers me even more than seeing sons go is when I see teenage girls get killed in an automobile accident. I don't like that. I hate it. On the one hand, I don't know what their state is. I, I am not the judge of anyone. But on the other hand, I need to remind myself, we are in the hands of God. We do not know when our time is going to come. In the light of all eternity, folks, 18 months, 18 years, how long, I don't know. It really isn't very much. We're here for only a blink. That's all. Just a breath. And we're gone. Then what behooves us is to make sure we prepare for death. We prepare for our death. 
You say almost all of the fathers need to prepare for your death. How do you do that? Number one, you keep it in your mind. How often do you think about your death? If you follow the exhortation of the fathers of the church, particularly the spiritual fathers of the church, you would call your death to mind virtually every day. It's so easy to forget that you're going to die, isn't it? Do you know what happens when you forget you're going to die? You do things that you wouldn't have normally done. Isn't that right? If you knew that you were going to be killed by noon today, you would live differently between now and noon than you will. Most of us. Isn't that right? Now, the truth is, since we're not sure when we're going to go, yes, we keep it in mind, and yes, we need to determine how we are going to live our lives in the light of, yes, our death is going to come, and you do not know when. You'd ever do this strange thing. Maybe I'm the only weird one in the world. I don't think, well, I'm weird, but not the only weird one in the world. A number of you are pretty weird, too. You ever drive down the highway, especially on the 805, and, you know, the plane's taken off from Miramar, and I think, whoops, what if one missed? What if one missed? What if one landed on me? Or do you ever think, you know, what if something, you know, I, someone crosses the center divider? What would happen? Does it affect the way I live? Yeah, it really does. It does affect the way I live, because I do contemplate what is going to happen? I am going to die. Yes, I have faith in God. Yes, I trust God. But yes, I want to live appropriately, God-wise, while I am on this earth. So number one, you keep your death in mind. Number two, you must have a firm hope. That, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Is so incredibly important. So important. Because if you fear death to the extent that you are afraid it will overcome you, what you need to do is make sure, you with me now? If you're afraid death is going to overcome you, you better make sure you're aware of the overcomer in your life. Do you have an overcomer in your life? When you were baptized into Christ, you were given an overcomer. Who is the overcomer? Jesus is the overcomer. He overcame death. How I love it. Trampling down death by death. You know, it doesn't, we don't sing that he just overcame it. That's not good enough for us. You know, it's for us. I mean, you know, the Lord doesn't need to know he trampled down death by death. He's very aware of what he did. It's we who need to know he trampled down death by death. Oh, I've got that image in my mind. I mean, I can see it, the, the, the resurrection icon, and of course the thing's, you know, static, but in my mind I can see it. Jesus trampling down death, stomping on it. You have to have a great hope. It is so incredibly important that you have that hope within you. You have the overcomer in your life. The one who overcame death lives in you. Okay, that's the second thing. The third thing you want to do is to participate in eternal life now. How do you participate in eternal life now? Well, it's going to take two things to do it. Number one, you need to know that that's what this divine liturgy is all about. 
is participating at least somewhat in the age to come. It isn't the whole thing. It is called in the scriptures an earnest of our inheritance. It's a down payment, as it were. Or as I sang as a child and in my teens and even my 20s and some 30s, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Problem was it was an academic thought. I used to think about that. What do you mean, foretaste of glory divine? And I had to academize it. For us, it is not academic. For us, it's reality. Today, though there stand beside you thousands of archangels and ten thousands of angels, the cherubim and the seraphim, six-winged, many-eyed, soaring aloft, borne on their wings. Well, that's who's standing next to you. Or maybe I can put it the other way. You're standing next to them. So you want to participate in that. Well, you say, Father, I don't have the reality of that. i tell you, I said two things. The second is, you know, Saturday night will help you a whole lot on getting ready for Sunday. You know, a whole lot on Saturday night may nullify your being able to grasp the reality of those angels and archangels and the saints and the, and the Mother of God and, of course, the All-Holy Trinity because sometimes Saturday night sort of numbs us to Sunday morning. And so we show up for church frazzled, get caught in the construction this morning on the way to church. Some of you did. Yeah, it's pretty bad, huh? It's not a waste. There is great hope. You have hope for eternal life. Don't let death be your unovercome enemy. There is sadness. There is sorrow. We are bereaved. It is appropriate. You know, I can probably cry reading a phone book. The truth is, I also have a rejoicing in my heart, and you need to have that because death, simply for us who believe, puts us in the presence of God with all the angels and with all the saints for a great, joyous eternity. Do you believe this? Do you believe it? If you don't, you need to sit there and say, I make a conscious moral choice. I will believe. And then participate in it all.